Welcome to Machine Learning, David Nishimoto on the road. Um, this week's been very interesting as I've done some research on um, innovations in radical designs created by machines. And uh, I was found a, a couple of uh, articles uh, related to designs uh, that were generated by artificial intelligence in the area of material science. And we've talked before on this show about how AI can shorten the time um, to making predictions of conductivity on different materials uh, in terms of of uh, like silicon chips and things like that. But in this this article, it talked about how they used AI to uh, find a super strong alloy. So the composition of different elements at the uh, chemical level, at chemistry level and physics level, and uh, to figure out what uh, um, what what uh, atoms structures would uh, form an alloy that would could uh, be strong when welded by a laser and uh, so um, this particular company wanted to build uh, 3d parts using um, a powder alloy and a laser weld and so and uh, the, the layers had to be very strong, had to uh, bond really strong uh, from the welds and uh, produce the desired product. And uh, so this company's uh, Boeing and, and uh, parts, 3D printed parts. Um, for I think the first 3D printed part uh, used on an airplane was uh, by Airbus, is what the article said. So, um, what they did is they put a number of tables, data, into the database and then trained the neural net against uh, the, the data. And um, the neural net learned the, some of the rules of chemistry and physics and, uh, from the data. So that's one of the amazing aspects about neural nets is that it can learn rules uh, from data. So any algorithm can be learned by a neural net. Very similar to the way we are is we can learn by observation and deduction and reasoning. We can learn rules and and we can learn systems and how things work and, and then apply those rules to make predictions and the same with neural net it can do the same thing Um, but it's not like at the higher level now the point that they they made is that a lot of the neural net success came from human beings who are or engineers who were um, carefully setting up the parameters and monitoring the test and the environments and, and ensuring that you know that the system worked properly and um, achieve the desired results. So that was the, the first uh, um, 
really neat uh, article I read on uh, radical designs by neural nets or artificial intelligence. The other one was um, where um, a, a scientist from France, he had um, a idea to uh, use a brittle alloy. So he was he had a very brittle alloy and uh, he had to he had observed uh, a NASA solar cell, how it would could be expanded and contracted into a very small space. And so he formed a startup company and um, the company's design was to create foldable structures. And in order to do that, they needed to study uh, different alloys for making these foldable structures. And um, um, so what I did is I, I did a search uh, to look at what, uh, how the AI had affected furniture. And uh, some of the new designs are multiple configuration furniture. Um, they have chairs that uh, are, uh, um, that can be folded out from a two-dimensional plane into a chair. They have tables that have actuators on it that can move from a smaller radius to a larger radius by moving the pieces um, up and out. They had uh, uh, tables that unfold like origami or like a Japanese uh, puzzle and uh, you slide different pieces out and unfold it. And so you can move from these very compressed spaces where the material is uh, not taking up very much space to uh, one where it's occupying the three-dimensional space effectively and providing functionality. Another one was a bed, an uh, air mattress, where um, it compresses into uh, a rectangular box, uh, but it has actuators that extend out like a solar cell and then inflate the bed and you can uh, sleep uh, comfortably wherever you are uh, given that you have some electricity to expand the bed and then it will contract the bed and, and everything will fold up together um, and into a compressed form. So the, 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 um, the influence of AI um, on structures is starting to occur. And uh, one of the things that uh, um, to consider as engineers and architects begin to rely on the solutions of the AI is that they are going to be radically different. They're gonna be in more organic shapes, highly efficient. Uh, they're going to have forms that like as we talked about last week, they could have forms that are somewhat grotesque to our aesthetics. Um, but so, again, going back to the, this French startup company, it was interesting because uh, in the, discovering this foldable structure at the micro level, uh, he trained the neural net on different structural patterns and so the neural net ran multiple simulations and it eventually came up with a structure that um, when applied pressure like a tip of a pencil pressure on it it would fold uh, into a into a um, 
flat plane circle. And uh, so it had kind of like these matchstick uh, structures where a lot of, you had a lot of empty space and then it could be folded up. Now, some of the planes that are starting to emerge now that are high, high efficiency, lower weight, um, they can travel higher in the air, faster through the air. Um, they have uh, lots of structures that have been built by AI uh, or engineering com combinations where they have less material and they have more air air empty space in the structure, but the structure allows uh, for increased strength uh, and lighter weight and so they're getting better performance, uh, better fuel efficiency. In one case I saw the, the new wing had almost a one point something percent increase in efficiency, fuel efficiency. So it equated to lower cost for operations because of, uh, and so because of the lower cost operations, um, the designs are, are looking to be appealing. Um, other things are changing. Uh, some of the plane structures are changing where um, they're adding different uh, additional wings uh, to provide lift and stability and efficiency through the air. And a lot of these designs now are driven by AI simulations. And so um, you can see that the way we've been doing things for a long time um, is going to change with the structures. You look at robots, for example. I was listening to a lecture yesterday on uh, the importance of robots in the 21st century and she was likening it to uh, a combine how the combine was a set of different components that were put together and when uh, the sum of the whole came together it produced a product capable of harvesting large amounts of wheat and so the combine revolutionized large acreage of wheat harvesting. And uh, that, uh, that uh, impact changed the world. It provided wheat for the world and uh, at lower cost. And so American farmers, uh, they revolutionized the agricultural business by creating higher yields of food-based products at cheaper prices. And that's largely due to innovation. And robots will do the same thing. They're automating uh, lots of tasks that are dangerous or, me or somewhat uh, re repetitious and uh, require a great deal of precision and um, and uh, so the robots, uh, the one I saw that I thought was kind of interesting was a robot system that's used to build uh, trusses for houses. And uh, the automated system takes the two by fours, um, moves it down a, a relay. It's got a sliding along a bar, a metal bar, and it's able to move the, the wood from the stack and then 
it moves it to the assembly area. The assembly area has hydraulic presses that push in the um, connectors to the truss and it will work um, non-stop producing trusses all night, all day. And uh, very accurate, very precise. Lasers are used to calibrate uh, tolerances. And so you see the usage of robots here uh, that are, are becoming effective. Now, one of the things that the, the CEO of this company talked about was she said that um, that the robot cost maybe uh, a f maybe a, a fourth of the actual cost for implementation. That there is a lot of money that's required in configuration, um, also installing and uh, getting the robot to actually move and do a, you know a particular task. And so, by shortening and reducing down the cost of configuration, uh, that was her goal for her company. And so the the, the the area where I was starting to look then was how do you uh, train the robots to have a transfer of knowledge, uh, which you can do with neural nets. And so that uh, configurations are more automatic um, and uh, they, they, there is a continuous learning capability of the machine. Well, when I was looking at that in terms of radical designs, and I found that, uh, that uh, there is a new technology <clears throat> that uh, overcomes some of the discrete mathematics uh, in neural nets. And that technology is called Ordinary Differential Equations, ODE networks. And I, I was really amazed because uh, one of the problems with neural networks is that they have a certain number of layers. And uh, you, when you're training, um, when you're training different features to the neural net through a process of inputs and labels, you know, this supervised learning, that it it uh, cannot continuously learn. So there's a discrete element to the gradient descent functions that the neural net uses. Uh, to adjust its weights on the different hidden layers. And so these different hidden layers can capture certain types of traits. And, and then those traits then, if they uh, inputs uh, activate a certain threshold on those nodes on the hidden layer, then you will correspond to a response being a label. Uh, but the big problem they've had is that it's kind of like the old days of, and they liken this to integrals. So you can do an integral through limits, um, and a limit uh, is a discrete set of steps. So if you're finding, uh, for example, an area under a curve, you could solve that by finding the area of rectangles and just, just keep making the rectangles smaller and smaller. Uh, but at some point, you're getting, you're getting a very small number and then, so the, the idea of the integral um, was to make it continuous. And so the ODE, uh, Ordinary Differential Equation, uh, makes a discrete function continuous. Now that on itself sounds like just kind of a nerdy talk, but it, 
in my mind, that was a major breakthrough. Because what it means is that the neural net can learn uh, by adding additional pathways. And so let's say you have a new thing that the neural net needs to learn. Uh, it would add a new pathway through the network uh, using these differential equations. And so you could add new classification layers uh, infinitely. And so like our human brain, we learn something well, like walking or talking. But then when we have to learn something new, it requires us to concentrate on it, to observe it, to think about it, to associate, uh, to relate, um, to abstract. And at some point, we understand the new concept, the new rules, uh, the, and, and uh, we're able to um, process that, that uh, new phenomena. And that's been really lacking in the neural nets. Is it's, it's been good with what it's been training, trained on, but it's been bad in terms of uh, being able to continuously learn. And in order for a system to be highly adaptable, it needs to be capable of continuous learning. So that brings me to the, the next radical technology in artificial intelligence by Viv Labs. Uh, Viv Labs is the some of the founders were responsible for creating Siri. Um, that was a product of, I believe, a DARPA project where they were doing natural language processing, and they realized that they had a, a great product, and then they uh, released this product to Apple. Apple uh, bought the company, I think, for two hundred million dollars, and and then they put Siri, and Siri's been very successful at at uh, understanding different voice commands. But one of the big problems with Siri is it's not able to perform tasks. Now we've seen uh, earlier how Google had a AI agent and it was capable of setting up a schedule so it could carry on a conversation, interact with a person, uh, interact with the calendars, get the data, query the data, determine um, what days were preferable to set up a calendar, let's say for a haircut, and then set the appointment automatically and then confirm back to the user that uh, the appointment had been set. Well, Viv Labs um, was bought by Samsung, and I was listening to the CEO talk about how, where they're, they're wanting to go with this product. And at first, they're, they're talking about, you know, enabling smart devices so that you can give instructions or commands to the um, AI agent, and the AI agent will perform those particular tasks. So you initiate a goal, and, and then the, the AI um, evaluates the goal and then gives, produces a result. So in some of the examples he did, he's, he wanted to know the temperature at a certain location at a certain time and uh, was able to get that. So it was able to query the APIs for weather and, and uh, the API for location and return back that. So that would seem like a simple task. It's one that Siri can do. 
um, uh, currently. But then he, he went on a little bit further and he said, you know, the, the AI agent knows all your preferences and learns your preferences, is continuously learning, and it also um, stores what it knows about your data and then uses that to fill in the parameters uh, to these API services. So it, it is uh, given a task and then it interacts with other services that are external and then based on the results uh, of that, merges those results back and then produces a, a response. So it, 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 uh, the way it does that is it creates uh, task programs. I'm not sure what language. I was speculating that maybe it was in Python because Python is a scripting language and, and it can be easily uh, parsed to see if it's correct and uh, accurate to the compiler and interpreter and uh, and uh, executed so it may be Python because this one of Python is one of the preferred uh, uh, languages of the world right now for artificial intelligence and machine learning um, and it could easily incorporate different modules and you based on the modules it could then inter create code that uh, is very customizable to that task. And so that was their point, is that they needed to have a system that could generate its own program and then uh, to a particular task. So it was customizable to a task. And uh, so they, in this case, what he did is he said, uh, you know, he, his mother liked, uh, I think it was tulips. And so he, he ordered uh, some tulips and it figured out, you know, how, how to contact the uh, flower vendor and then search the flower vendor's API for tulips and then find a, a, a tulip arrangement that would be pleasing and then um, place a order for a buy. And, in, and instead of executing the order, it just uh, you know, showed up on the, the screen as a placed an order for the a buy so it was doing some sort of keystroke capture and capture replay uh, so it knew how to place that order so it, it, it learned it learned you know you click this menu structure you you select the this product you type in this word and uh, and so it, it inter, interact interacted with the uh, either the web page or the mobile app and it was capable then of uh, performing that task and it, it re retained that so one of the interesting things is it, it can retain that knowledge and so it can repeat that task again so I don't know if they're going to be have the idea of sharing uh, tasks that are learned but they do have he demonstrated that they do have various data models that uh, they have captured and they're programming right now and that hopefully they're saying that these data models now will be open to other developers who will either contribute to additional data models or uh, utilize the existing ones in their applications and so it'll become the uh, conversational e-commerce is what they say and uh, this, this seems like a, a radical new technology. So continuous learning, uh, pro 
machines writing programs um, and uh, the storage of various data models to help understand the world uh, makes Viv Labs probably a, the next billion dollar company. So we'll have to watch for them. And uh, they're, they said they'd lined up with Samsung because Samsung sells 500 million devices a year. And they also pointed out that when Internet of Things or Things Began to Think, uh, that's a, a huge kind of almost a arrogant statement, but uh, the idea of thinking. But we're, we're going to see more uh, devices where you talk to some natural language processing piece and and uh, the component then can run diagnostics or analysis and it, it can then respond back to you in, um, in a natural language that is understandable and uh, the context would have to be capable of being understood in terms of one object relating to another, uh, intersection complement, uh, union type of relationships, a set theory have to apply, and uh, and those type of things were so it would uh, uh, then you know allow for smarter devices and more human interaction with these devices because we're going to have a lot more IoT devices um, that are are going to become available online. And uh, they'll be all interconnected, and there needs to be a smart agent that uh, interacts with them. And that's kind of what Watson was uh, seeming to be, is a, this uh, smart agent that could interact with IoT and provide diagnostics. But it's going to be the company that uh, uh, has the open source and the availability of code and the ease of integration that's that's going to be used, and and so for that reason, um, this Viv Labs thinks that they are they're in good position to provide that those particular services. Um, so those are some of the the radical new technologies that I saw this week. I thought were interesting. Um, I still think that there's going to be changes in the way we see. And use uh, computers, and it uh, is very exciting. Uh, I was able to use some machine learning to uh, analyze certain types of evaluations, and it was fascinating to see how to use a dental dendrogram and a cluster. So the dendrogram showed me how the data was clustered and based on a distance equation to its nearest neighbor. And then that told me how many clusters were occurring. And then I was able to also uh, output the, the cluster I number associated with the data. And one of the things that I, I still find that's interesting is we're, we're almost like we're at the binary level or the hexadecimal level with the machine when we're talking machine learning because um, the end results are just numbers and it's difficult to communicate numbers to people who don't understand what those numbers mean. So um, I think that as we create these natural language bridges 
and the data models can be translated into things that are are more human understandable then uh, we will have more of a, a natural conversation with the machine and and once that starts to happen then the machine's usefulness really increases and so the you can see where uh, the data science right now is kind of the new hot trend and there's a shortage of data scientists but uh, the rise of the AI and, uh, and when I say rise uh, you know it's not like they're going to take over the world but um, it is definitely becoming a very important technology for uh, businesses they're starting to realize the value of of AI and machine learning and the immediate cost benefits of understanding what the data is revealing.